want you to look at this picture and tell me what you think this is. Okay. <laughs> it looks like the boogeyman. Mm. Tree trunk. Okay. Weird. What is this? This is what I want to talk about. Oh, okay. This right here. That's an alien? This is an alien. That looks like the boogeyman. Why does he have mittens on? You know what? Let's get into the story. Right. I went down to Pascagoula uh, completely negative, but I talked, I worked with those men for quite a while. I listened to tapes that had been taken when they didn't know they were being taped. I uh, uh, saw what how Charlie behaved under hypnosis, and uh, finally the, the lie detector test. All of those things convinced me that he was not making it up. The, they had had they had had an experience. Period. But you can't determine whether they actually saw a flying saucer or were taken aboard one. No, I I couldn't at all. There's, there's no no way that I know of in which um, we could determine that. It's like if you tell me that you dreamt of purple peach trees last night. What can I do about it? Well, you have to go on the assumption that he is indeed telling the truth. Well, yeah, uh, you have to then judge by his past reputation, what, what his, how he's regarded in the community. Would he have any reason to do it? Um, all that sort of thing. So um, I just don't know about that. Of course, it's, it's a pattern. You see, that's not an isolated case. We have a catalog now of well over 800 such cases. Okay, so what you were just listening to was J. Allen Hynek being interviewed about this case. It takes place in 1973 in mid-October, and there's these two guys, they're out on a river, and they're fishing, and they get abducted by a UFO. And it was investigated by Project Blue Book, and as you can hear, Dr. J. Allen Hynek himself kind of believes that it's true. Yeah, he said they had an experience. That's kind of open-ended, though. All right, so let's get into what this experience is. And there's no better way than the people themselves telling you exactly what happened. On October 23rd of this year, Charles Hickson, one of the men involved in that incident at Pascagoula, invited WWDC newsman Rudolph Brewington to his home in Gaucher, Mississippi. That's just north of Pascagoula. And Hickson recalled his experience. Uh, last year on October the 16th, in the fall of the year, Calvin Parker and myself, we uh, at that time, we were employed by F.B. Walker and Son Shipyard in Pascoola. Um, and sometime during the day on October 11th, we decided to go fishing after work, something that I, I do, you know, quite often when I'm not working is fishing. So after we got off work, uh, probably 4.30, I think, we were working nine hours a day. We, uh, I came home and uh, to get my fishing gear. And we wouldn't go out in a boat because uh, we were going to the banks of the river and fish from the banks for speckled trout and redfish. So we tried, we uh, got our bait and we got to the river and tried several spots and the fish didn't seem to be biting. So there was one more spot that we were going to try that it, uh, in the past I'd caught fish there a lot of times at the old Shaw Peter shipyard, it's an old banded shipyard. So we went, um, about, uh, back up the river to, to the old shipyard and we were fishing from a pier off of the, a wharf you might say on the uh, banks of the river there and um, it had become dark by that time we do quite a bit of uh, uh, fishing after dark you know down here in that time of the year so I don't know what attracted my attention where I had reached around to get more bait which was sitting behind us or uh, 
I heard some kind of zipping-like sound, like uh, air of a steam or something escaping from a pipe. And as I turned around, I saw some uh, two blue flashing lights, or either pulsating lights, I'm not sure. And it seemed like um, it, it was some type of craft, and it seemed like it was almost down to the ground then. In fact, it was. It seemed to be about a, uh, a couple of feet, you know, above the ground. It just hovered there. So Calvin had turned by this time, and, and uh, he was looking at it too. And really, I didn't know what to do. It just, it just, I was just spellbound there for a few minutes, just, and um, and then almost immediately, some type of opening appeared in the the end that was toward us, with what I assumed to be the front end, and. The, the light that had come outside which is it was real real bright light and three things appeared in the doorway uh, of the craft and they seemed to just glide out out of the craft they never touched the ground they seemed to just glide across it must have been 25 or 30 feet from us or or maybe a little further than that and they they came to us just glided over to us and, and uh, two of them took me by the arms from the side and one took a hold of Calvin, and, and um, I seen Calvin go limp, and I didn't know it then, but he had fainted. So they um, they carried me inside the craft, and, uh, and the light was almost blinding inside. In fact, for about three or four days, I had something like a bad welding flash in my eyes. And I can't, I can't recall or I can't remember just what was on the inside simply because the light was so bright that I just couldn't couldn't make out what it was but I didn't see any tables or chairs and the room seemed to be round of course that could have been because the light seemed to be glowing from the walls and the overhead and the ceiling but they carried me what I guess about the middle of the room and we would just seem to be suspended there I, I, I couldn't move I didn't have any feelings no sensation of of, uh, of any feel and it seemed to, something like a big eye. I keep referring to it as an eye because it was about size for a small baseball. In the end, it was focused toward me. It was a different color or a different light. And it seemed to come directly out from the wall, and it came within six or eight inches of my face. And, and uh, it, it remained there for a, a few minutes, and then it, very few minutes, and then it uh, went over my entire body. I, I'm assuming it did because when it went down like this, I seemed to be suspended there. And the next time I seen it, it was coming back up over this way. So I assumed that it went over my entire body. But it came back in front of my face and stayed there for a few more minutes, and then it seemed to just go right back into the wall. And these things, it, the, the, the way they were holding me, I was elevated because they, they weren't as tall as me, and they were upright, and I was elevated like this. And I could see, I could move my eyes, only thing I could move. And I could see that they had released me. And I don't know where they went, whether they went outside the craft or, or another uh, room or compartment, but they didn't come in front of me. And they left me that way for for a few minutes. I don't know how long. And then after a while, they uh, I, I seen them then when they come back to the side of me and took hold of me again. And they carried me back outside the craft. And, and we were still just gliding. I, I wasn't touching anything that I know of. And they seemed to just glide back out to where they had taken me from and put me back down on the ground. Well, when they did, I, I fell because my legs were weak and they gave way on me. And it was this time that I seen Calvin again. He was standing there. He was standing facing the river with his arms outstretched, and he was almost in shock. Uh, he seemed to appear to me at that time he was something was wrong with him. But, so 
I was trying to, to get to make my way toward him, and, and uh, I was crawling. I couldn't get my legs to work him. But before I got to him, they, I, the strength of whatever it was came back to my legs, and I was getting up on my feet, and I heard the, the, the same sound I'd heard before, a zipping sound. And I glanced around, and I saw the blue flashing lights, and, and it was the crack was just gone, just, just almost instantly. And I, I, I got to, I made it to Calvin, and I shook him and, and was calling to him, and it took me several minutes to get him where I could even even talk to him, you know, with any, any sense, and, and he was going in shock. So these poor guys, uh, Calvin and Charles, are out fishing, and a UFO comes and abducts them, and to me almost sounds like they were, like, examined. Yeah, but it, at least it didn't sound that bad. No, one thing that's kind of nice about this case is, although it sounds very spooky, nothing really sp super spooky happened to them, or, like, not anything that they remember. So I showed you a picture, Brie, and you said it looks like a combination of many things. When I see the picture, it almost looks like a mummy to me. Mm, I can see that. And so I think what we'll play next is a really short clip of Charles himself describing exactly what they look like. And the picture is going to make a lot more sense to you once you hear his description. And these things that, um, that came out of the craft, they were about five or five foot four inches tall. And they didn't have a neck. Uh, the, the head seemed to come directly to the shoulders, and they had something that resembled a nose on a on a face, and and uh, about where ears would be was something that was uh, similar to the nose, only it was a little longer. They it seemed to come out almost to a point, and under the nose it was something like a slit for a mouth, and and uh, it was very wrinkled, and it it seemed it appeared to me to be something like an elephant skin, but I don't know where it was a a metal or what it was, but it seemed to be very wrinkles with the wrinkles running horizontal. And in the area where the eyes should have been, uh, it was so wrinkled that that I'm not even sure there was eyes. I don't I can't recall whether there was any eyes or not and Calvin says he came. So it's interesting to me because when I first saw the picture I think mummy, but now I'm thinking about this like weird wrinkled skin and I'm like this almost slightly reminds me of the Hocus Pocus movie and the book that's made out of skin. Mm, you know what I mean? I can see that. Like that weird, wrinkly, old, and then you think about elephant, like, cracked and dried. And now I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this thing? Are, are these aliens? Like, what is happening here? Did you ever see the Communion movie? No. Okay, well, the aliens in there, some of the aliens, are these very small aliens and the skin looks like what he's describing. Interesting. It's, and it's like a tannish brown color, and it's very much like that. Almost like gremlin-y, like, I don't know, like a forest sloth. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of like, when, when I think of his description, I think of like some weird hairless creature in a forest, like a dark forest, like living in like a weird hole or a cave or something. Yeah, like moving around like... But, you know, Charles here is pretty sure he has an idea of what he thinks these actually are. And so I'm going to play that. I think now, and, and I have a, a reasons to believe, many different reasons to believe, these things were robots. They weren't beings. They were being controlled by beings from somewhere else. What made you think that, sir? Well, for, for as I just mentioned, several reasons. Uh, I didn't see any movement of, of, of uh, breath in the, in the chest area. I didn't see any movement of, of breath in, the, in the, the, the slit of the mouth area. It didn't move. And when they move, they seem to move as something mechanically. They could move their arms like this and in their shoulders. 
but their head didn't move, and when they moved, they seemed to turn as if mechanically. It appeared to me that they they had something that they were programmed, you might say, to do something. They had something specific to do, and they just simply done it, and their attention wasn't distracted one way or the other. So we have aliens, mummies, weird forest ghouls, robots. Like, I feel like the story has a little bit of everything in it. You know what I mean? Maybe just in the way that he's describing it. But that's very typical. People always talk about the minions that come and do the work of these types of things are often described as being robotic, like little droids. Now... Do you have a personal belief that, like, okay, so you know how there's, like, big gray aliens and, like, the little greens or whatever that do their work for them? Would you consider those to be some type of maybe, like, mechanical-like robot droid? And is are we considering those still to be alien? Mm. Well, I guess if it's otherworldly, it could it's still alien. Like, whether or not it's a robot, it doesn't matter. It doesn't come from Earth that we know of. And if it's manufactured by aliens and obviously is under the control of them and looks weird like some of the other ones, I mean, I would consider that aliens, aliots. Do you consider them to be good or bad? I don't think I have an opinion towards that. I think they just have an agenda to figure things out. This doesn't sound like a negative case to me. And I think in most cases, it's just very scientific, you know? Like, you can't look at scientists and really say if they're good or bad for some of the things that they do. So I kind of feel the same way about that. Well, we have one last clip for this story, and it's kind of Charles wrapping up what he thinks, you know, good, bad, evil, what was it? And so it's an interesting lesson. What is your feeling on UFOs? Do you think that there's life beyond this earth? Well, let me let me explain. Uh, before this happened to me, I can't say that I believed or disbelieved because I simply didn't uh, didn't think about it one way or the other. I, I guess I'm like most people. I had my own little world that I lived in, and I didn't consider uh, life on other worlds. I didn't think about it. But now there's no doubt in my mind. I, I positively know that there's uh, at least one world up there somewhere with some type of life on it. I think it could be a fact. An intelligent but peaceful life. That's right. They're, I think they're peaceful because, um, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't try to harm Calvin and me physically. Uh, in fact, they seem to be very easy with us. Uh, what they wanted, I don't know. But I certainly don't think that they're hostile at, at, at all. Well said. Well said. Well, it's like it starts off creepy. You listen to him, you know, tell the story and you're like, oh, my God, you're like out at night and you're fishing and you get abducted. But then at the end of it, he's like, you know, it really wasn't that bad, guys. Like, yeah, I kind of had like some weird nightmares for some time. But at the end of it all, I think they were just kind of checking us out. Yeah, it's like an awakening experience. Most of us, you're living in your own little world. People don't really think about it. You're like, ah, and then something happens and it forces you to know. You don't really have the luxury of belief anymore. You just know. Well, and what's interesting about this case is all signs point towards there's no way that this is a hoax. And that's what I really like about it. You have J. Allen Hynek basically coming out saying, well, there's some type of experience that happened and I can't say yes or no, up or down or make left or right in it. And then you also have, you know, other evidence. He went and took a polygraph test and passed it. And he, they both went into um, hypnosis. And Jay Allen Hynek was, you know, listened to the tapes. And even he couldn't discredit what they were saying. So it's an interesting little, you know, slice of something out there that we have some audio evidence and some stuff like that to really still look into this case. I definitely think you guys should go check out their 
their book. It's called UFO at Pascagoa. And then I'll also link inside of our show notes the full extended interview because it lasted like 39 minutes. And obviously, we're not going to play it all here. I chopped it up to what it was. So, you know, we, we guys can have a quick intro to it. But there's so much more about this case that you guys should really look into. I heard a really funny joke yesterday and it was on the cooking channel or whatever. Yeah. I'm like Halloween war, Halloween baking wars or something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I dated a really cool ghoul once, but then she ghosted me. That's funny. I was like, I oh, like that. I like that one. I like that.